begin by saying, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, one of the neat things about being part of a liturgical church is Easter is not just a day, it's a season. And so for the next uh, several weeks, we'll be celebrating the season of Easter, remembering and focusing on the great reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Three days in a tomb followed by eternity as the risen Lord. What a, what a powerful, powerful reality. And a great reminder also to you and me that in the gracious outworking of God's great plan, all bad things must come to an end. And whatever you have to walk through this side of heaven, in order to eventually get to heaven, it is oh so very worth it. Again, I'm excited. So many of you have been checking out the, the midweek connection opportunities uh, all week long, actually, that we've had. This past Wednesday at our uh, midweek uh, noonday communion service, I shared a couple thoughts on hope and the hope we have because of the resurrection of Jesus based on this week's epistle lesson from 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to go back there uh, this morning and share it from that again. But I just want to remind you as we get going that the Bible is the very written word of God. It is living and active and powerful. It contains within it the life of God, the power of God, the very authority of God himself. So whenever you read the Bible, whenever you hear the Bible, it has the potential, it has the power to bless and help you. I love the Bible, I pray, and I trust you do as well. And so just to get us focused on the scriptures this morning, I'm going to read for us the first part of this week's epistle lesson, 1 Peter chapter, three, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. That's the part I'm going to read, verses 3 through 6. If you want to stand, you may do that. If you're comfortable, you know, sitting or whatever you're doing, feel free to do that as well. But I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, just to get us focused and moving here. This is what the Bible says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I'm going to stop there. The lesson goes all the way through nine, but I'm just going to stop there this morning. We may return to this later on. I don't know, but uh, praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and we're going to take a minute and look at it together this morning. Now, this particular letter in the New Testament was written by the Apostle Peter, one of the 12 disciples, one of those 12 men specially chosen by Jesus uh, to walk with him, to learn from him, and after his ascension back to the Father in heaven, really to lay the foundations of the Christian church. And Peter wrote this letter to some of the early followers of Jesus during a time of really serious hardship and persecution. And before I jump into the part I read to you, I actually want to back all the way up to the very beginning to Peter's introduction, really a salutation to this letter. This is how the letter begins. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, strangers in this world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ 
and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So Peter opens up this letter addressing it to the people of God, to God's elect, those who by grace through faith in Jesus have received the salvation of God in Jesus. And he calls them strangers in this world. The Greek word here, uh, peripedemos, literally means folk just passing through. And immediately, right out of the gate in this letter, Peter reminds you that this world, in its present broken, fallen form, this world is not your home. I remember when my son, Zach, finished up his time in basic training with the Air Force. He was in the United States Air Force for a period of time. Melissa and I flew down to San Antonio, Texas to spend the weekend with him. We wanted to be there for his graduation from basic training. Uh, And I still remember how strangely robotic he was when we first got there. His eyes were almost glazed over and vacant. It was like whenever he would respond to us, the responses were like, they were pre-programmed, automatic kind of responses. We went through that for a little over a day, and I remember sitting him down and calling him back to himself. I reminded him who he was. And more importantly, I reminded him who God is. And while the United States Air Force had clearly tried very hard to reshape, reform him, to remold him, and redefine him in their own image of who and what he was supposed to be, I reminded him that the Air Force was just a job, a temporary place of service in this world. But God, on the other hand, I reminded him, and his family to a much lesser degree, we were the ones God had provided really to shape and form and define him. The Air Force wanted to be everything to him. In fact, they told him they were everything to him. But it was my job as his dad and as his pastor to remind him differently. This morning, as you sit there in your den or your living room or wherever you may be listening to or watching or participating in this service, you may imagine that you are defined by your job or your home, your physical appearance. Maybe you imagine you're defined by your friends or your grades or your athletic prowess, but it's my job as your pastor to remind you differently. It's my job to remind you that you are a stranger in this world. And whether you recognize it or not, you really are just passing through. Your house, your car, your job, and the rest of it all will one day be left behind. You're strangers in this world. And it's important for you to remember that because frankly, it affects your hope. What you hope in matters. What you hope for matters. And if your hope is fixed on this world or the things of this world, if your hope is fixed on the health of the economy, the outcome of an election, the physical health and well-being of someone you love dearly, if your hope is fixed on this world and the things of this world, you're in for a very bumpy ride. Now, you can absolutely care about those things, and certainly you should. You can hope for the best relative to all those things, and you absolutely should. But as a stranger in this world, someone whose 
just passing through. You always need to remember that your ultimate hope is in something and someone beyond this world. It's in a new heaven and a new earth when the fullness of the kingdom of God comes in. And that brings me right back to the passage from the lesson that I read to us just a few minutes ago. It starts out with this burst of praise. It's like Peter couldn't contain himself. So he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, God is awesome. And then he kind of continues. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. As I noted in this past week, the the, the midweek communion service, if you are a Christian, then you have been born again. You've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And sometimes young Christians will ask you, what is the importance of the resurrection? It was Jesus' death that that paid for my sins. It was Jesus' death that purchased salvation for me. So why is the resurrection so important? It's really not a bad question. The truth is there are all kinds of reasons, many of them found right here in this text. But basically, it was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that validated his claim to be God in the flesh, that verified the Father's acceptance of his Uh, sacrifice, and that vouchsafed once and for all your new life in him. As I said Easter Sunday, I'll tell you again, his resurrection is your resurrection. But what I really want you to see this morning is that according to Peter, when you were born again, you were born again into two really important things. You were born again into a living hope, and you were born again into an inheritance. And the two are inextricably linked together. First, Peter says you were born again into a living hope. And I talked in detail about this uh, this past Wednesday. If you want to check that out, just go to our Facebook page. You can look it up and follow along. But for this morning, let me just say this. Hope, basically speaking, is the expectation that things will ultimately turn out well. It's the conviction that in God's good time, all bad things must come to an end. Hope is a powerful force. And it frees you and it empowers you to do some incredibly important things in life. Hope empowers you to carry on when you're not sure you can or want to. Hope energizes you to press through when things are really squeezing in. Hope keeps you going when you're tempted to quit. Basically, hope feeds endurance. And, because hope is what it is, it gives you peace and joy in the midst of whatever it is you're enduring. The Bible says you were born again into a living hope, a hope that has a life of its own, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, if death on a cross could not stop Jesus from fulfilling the purposes and plans of God, then whatever you're going to encounter in your life isn't going to stop him either. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you may encounter in this life, you have an incredible reason for hope. Even though sometimes, and you need to listen, even though sometimes you may have to hope for a really long time. 
That's why you also need to understand that you weren't just born again into a hope. You were also born again into an inheritance. The hope gets you excited about what's coming. It helps you endure while you wait for it to get here. But the inheritance is the thing you're hoping for. Now, to be sure, people hope for all kinds of things in this world, many lesser things than the inheritance we have in Jesus. People hope for promotions. They hope for new jobs. They hope for a spouse or for a child. They hope for a positive outcome from a surgery. There's certainly nothing wrong with hoping for all of those things. Certainly there's good reason to hope for all those things, provided that that hope is moderated by the realization that God hasn't necessarily promised any of those things. The hope into which you were born again, however, is hope in the resurrection of Jesus and in everything that resurrection was meant to bring you. New life with God right now. Eternal life with God one day in the fullness of His kingdom. Eventually a new body that will never wear out and cannot be affected by any sort of virus. An eternity of nothing but righteousness and peace and joy and love in the Spirit of God. An eternity where the wolf and the lamb and the leopard and the goat and the lion and the yearling all lie down in peace together. That's the hope you were born again into. That's the hope God's called you to. That is the inheritance Jesus purchased through His death and resurrection from the dead. And according to the Apostle Peter, it's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. In John chapter 11, Jesus literally physically raised Lazarus from the dead. It was infinitely more than Lazarus' sisters could have possibly hoped for. It was an incredible miracle. It was a remarkable blessing. And yet, sometime later, we're not entirely sure when, Lazarus died again. And from that point on, he stayed dead. Do you remember how the Apostle Peter begins this letter? By reminding you that you're strangers here, just passing through. Reminding you that in this broken world, you have no enduring home. And that in this broken world, you have no lasting inheritance. You can hope for things in this world. You should hope for things in this world. But the hope into which you were born again is a hope for that which is out of this world. The first resurrection of Lazarus was amazing. But it didn't last. The inheritance you were born again into, however, is an inheritance that can never perish. Literally, it's immortal. The Greek word used here that says cannot perish is the same word that's applied to God Himself in 1 Timothy 1.17 where He's called the, the God immortal. It's an inheritance that never dies. It's an inheritance that never ends. It cannot perish. Like the God who offers this inheritance, it is immortal. It's an inheritance that can never spoil. Not only does it not end, it does not sour with age. It goes on forever and throughout all of eternity. It never shrivels. 
It never loses its freshness. It never goes bad. It's an inheritance that can never fade. A hundred trillion years from now, it will be just as bright, just as clear, just as sharp as ever it has been. The things we hope for in this world, the things you hope for in this world, invariably spoil and fade over time. But the inheritance you were born again into through the resurrection of Jesus is literally timeless. But here's the part you really need to grasp. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus, you've been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What's Peter saying there? Basically, he's saying this. The hope you have for this eternal inheritance is being held for you, kept for you right now in heaven. In other words, you haven't fully inherited it yet. It's not yet come to you in all of its fullness. But the hope you have in it makes you joyful while you wait for it and keeps you pressing on in the meantime. Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. That is, in this hope of that eternal inheritance. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And there you have it. You've been born again into a hope of something far greater than you can possibly imagine. Something that God Himself is holding on to, keeping and protecting, keeping it safe until the proper time. But in the meantime, you still must carry on in this world. This world that is not your permanent home. This world with which day by day you find you have less and less in common. And while you continue steadfast and joyful in hope, Peter says, you are likely going to suffer some grief through various sorts of trials. Not because God doesn't love you but because the fullness of that inheritance is still to come. Never be surprised that this side of eternity, this side of the fullness of the kingdom of God, we occasionally encounter trials, hardships, suffering, and grief. Never be surprised. And never forget that you are hoping and waiting for something that lasts forever. And is better than you can possibly imagine. Never perishes, never spoils, never fades. And so, with that in mind, we look to heaven and we pray, Amen. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And with that, we look at one another and we encourage one another. For now is your salvation nearer, the Bible says, than when you first believed. And with that, we look to one another and we exhort one another. Do not be weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again so much for the power and clarity of your word. Lord, you show us the great goodness you have bestowed on us, promised us, forever settled and sealed for us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. You've made us born again into a living hope for an eternal inheritance 
infinitely better than we can possibly imagine. Father, may we rise up and walk in that hope moment by moment and day by day. And may it give us strength to press through whatever we encounter this side of that inheritance. And may we share every chance we get with anyone we can the reason for the hope we have. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue to worship the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord uh, as we share together in our tithes and offerings. Let me just mention, you, you are such a fantastic group of people. I was talking with JT this week, and, and, and so many of you have been so, so clearly intentional uh, uh, to, to send in your tithes and offerings. Many of you have started doing that electronically by text to give or online giving. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. God bless you in that. If you want to know more about how to give online, through text to give or any other uh, means by that, just click on the link in the description box uh, underneath the YouTube video of the service. It'll explain that to you. But God bless you as you're faithful to give. And uh, we're going to worship the Lord here in just a moment as we share together in Holy Communion. Hopefully you've set up for that uh, wherever you are. may give you a minute uh, to make sure things are ready. And then we're going to share together in Holy Communion. The Lord is with you.